Welcome to Career EQ, a podcast series focused on helping students navigate the beginning and early stages of their business careers. Your host, John Quinn, is a senior lecturer and director of the Consumer Packaged Goods Immersion Program at the Fisher College of Business at The Ohio State University. In each episode, we dive into a topic facing young professionals in today's ever-changing business environment. While John may not be an expert in all those areas, his academic and corporate partner guests certainly are. That being said, let's dive into our topic for today and meet this episode's guests. For the better part of the last decade, the job market has been red hot and mostly a job seeker market, meaning that the prospective employee had considerable clout and power in the hiring dynamic. Many business school students came to expect to lock up a lucrative role well before they graduated. Well, that's changing. The ratio of the number of open positions versus the number of applicants is slowly tilting back in the favor of the employer. So what should a student expect in their job search experience nowadays? Can they still effectively find the right job for them that fits their career goals? To help us sort through these uncertain waters, we brought in some experts. Brian Piccioni, Senior Director of Marketing Operations at NVIDIA, headquartered not technically in Silicon Valley, but a 15-minute drive from it, and Ryan Wilhelm, Senior Career Advisor at the Fisher College of Business at The Ohio State University. Welcome, Brian and Ryan. Welcome to Career EQ. Thanks. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, Brian and Ryan, sounds like a comedy duo. The Timberlinks Resort in the beautiful Pocono Mountains welcomes the comedy stylings of Brian and Ryan. All right, so seriously, though, Brian, let's start with off with your journey. What is NVIDIA, and how did a graduate from Ohio State here in Columbus steer himself to a senior marketing role in Silicon Valley? Uh, NVIDIA uh, is a, um, a company that offers solutions for high-performance computing which has, is being used in many industries today. One that we're getting a lot of attention globally for is the applications in the development of AI and the compute power needed for AI applications. But most people will remember NVIDIA and know NVIDIA from our origins in gaming, uh, creating uh, graphics cards for video games. So. Uh, it's been a quite a journey from where NVIDIA started to uh, where NVIDIA is today, um, but it's super exciting. I love that company. I love being a part of it. And uh, the journey to get there was uh, pretty interesting. So when I um, when I graduated from Ohio State uh, with a degree in marketing, I was really interested in getting into marketing roles in the Columbus area. And at the time, this was uh, 1994. So in the mid 90s, there there wasn't a lot of opportunity for me to start off my career journey in marketing. There was a ton of opportunity to start your career journey in sales, which uh, it wasn't my final destination where I wanted to go, but it was an awesome learning ground that really kind of enhanced my understanding of how marketing works and what elements are really, really important in marketing. So when I graduated, my first job uh, after Ohio State was working for a company called More Business Forms and Systems. And they're a, uh, um, at that time, they specialized in, it was a paper company and they made uh, paper, uh, all types of, if you remember the, um, when you would fill out a form and there was a white copy on the top and a pink copy in the middle and a yellow copy on the bottom. Yep, I'm old enough to remember that. I'm having visions of Dunder Mifflin right now. <laughs> that's exactly, that's, I tell the story all the time. My first 
uh, job was in a regional office of a paper company, and it was very much like Wonder <laughs> Mifflin. And the the office I was in reminded me so much of that TV show when I when that TV show came on. But right about that time, if you remember what was happening in the mid '90s, uh, you know, the internet started to become a thing, and email became a thing, and people were starting to do things electronically. And I really quickly realized that if I wanted to have career growth and lean into marketing, you know, the paper industry for me at the time probably wasn't the right direction to go. And seeing what was happening with electronic forms and technology, I, I decided that, you know, I need to get into high tech. I would really like to get some experience working for a computer company or a networking company or software or something like that. And I just didn't have those opportunities available in the Columbus area in the mid nineties. So I made a tough call and I just kind of um, moved to, out to California without a job and said, I'm just gonna pound pavement until I find something. Um, and what ended up working for me was the experience I had in that sales position helped me land eventually land a uh, inside sales job at a software startup in Silicon Valley. And I did that for probably about a year and a half doing inside sales type work while I was trying to learn more about how these startups were doing marketing in the Silicon Valley and meeting people in the industry. And from there, I uh, met some folks that worked at Cisco. Uh, it happened to be a networking opportunity. It was a, a friend of a roommate who I met at a party and they were describing their job and they were describing a challenge they had in marketing that I thought I might have an angle here on how I could help that person solve that problem. Uh, so I, I just kept talking to them and telling them, hey, this challenge that you're having with response management, um, I think my experience in inside sales can help you. That's like, Let's meet and talk about it. And I got a lot of pushback because I was very early in my career at the time. And they were looking for someone with a lot of experience to come in and help solve these problems. So I, I just kept poking at it and checking back with this person and asking them, you know, how's it going? Did you solve that challenge yet? Did you build that new, you know, process? Eventually, I just decided to write a business plan for how that person could solve the project problem and I sent it to them. I said if one of the challenges that they were experiencing at the time was uh, they were capturing all these responses from marketing activities and they were putting them like in a package and sending them to their sales department. And then they had no insight into what happened with it. So they invested all this money in a, in a demand gen program or an event and they captured all these responses of people who engaged at that event and they didn't have any insight into what was happening. So with my experience in inside sales and lead qualification and cleaning up contact information, I proposed an idea for how to, to build a, what we call the response management operation at Cisco. And I sent it to this person that I'd met at a party. And eventually he called me to come in and talk him through it. And that took another, about another three months of talking through that. And he went and hired somebody much more experienced, probably with 20 more years of experience than I than I had to start this. But once they got it started, they needed people to actually fill those roles. They, they pulled me in and that was my doorway into Cisco, which in the mid 90s was just 
expanding like crazy because of the the expansion of the internet and the the internet of things and uh, the dot com explosion and everything being connected. So, uh, getting from a small startup into a big enterprise level networking company offered me a ton of opportunity in marketing because. It wasn't just the function that I was performing in marketing. This company had all the functions in marketing. It had uh, demand generation. It had advertising. It had creative. It had you know brand identity. It had uh, you know uh, event management and seminars, webinars, everything. So it gave me an opportunity to see how all those different elements worked, and I kept looking for the next career path stepping stone. Uh, everything I engaged in, I was always looking for a little stretch assignment here or a, you know, in, in gaming, we call them side quests. If you guys are familiar with like, you know, if you build out a, a character for one of those role-playing games, those adventure games, and you have the main quest and then you have all these side quests, I was constantly leaning into side quests to uh, lend help on other projects that were outside of the scope of what I was hired to do. And in doing that, that helped me networking with inside the company and getting experience in these other areas of marketing, which led to, you know, several different career change positions within the scope of marketing. And I was at uh, Cisco for 18 and a half years. Uh, and then I made the move to NVIDIA in 2016. Brian, there's a lot to unpack in there. Uh, there's a lot of good information. Um, and there's a couple of things I'd like you to maybe dive a little more deeply into. You mentioned about how you create these opportunities uh, for yourself through networking. And, yeah. and, a, and a really important element, and you mentioned two different things that you did in that story about how you added value in the networking process rather than... We, engaging in the networking process just for your own good. Like you're adding value to the people you're networking with and that really helped you stand out. Can you dive a little more deeply into like your strategy behind that and, and how that got you traction? Well, I think, you know, the, the core of that comes from just being a curious person, being curious. And when I'm meeting people in other roles or in other companies, I would ask them about what they were doing. I really wanted to, to learn more about what they were doing. And as I would ask all these questions, like, what's that job like? You know, what's the biggest challenges in that role? How, how do you like working there? You know, that kind of stuff. They would start to talk about it. And, the, I, you know, you really have to lean into what the, the other person is saying to understand some of the challenges they're facing. And then it kind of triggers you thinking like, well, how would I solve that problem? Do I have any ideas that I could lend that might help this? Just having those kinds of conversations, being curious, asking a lot of questions, unlocks all these side quests that you didn't know were even possible. And by doing that, you gain little extra experience points, and then you might be able to offer some value, make a suggestion. And all of that kind of ties into how that contact remembers you. If you think about the principles of marketing, you are really in networking, you're really marketing your personal brand. Absolutely. And every time you go out to speak to somebody, whether it's officially part of a job interview or whether it's just casual, you know, you're at you're at a soccer game or you're at the, the football game or you're at the gym, you know, meeting people and asking them and leaning in and being curious about it. 
the way you listen to what they're saying, the way you respond to what they're saying leaves an impression that they have about your personal brand. So as you're doing that, you're kind of building your personal brand as someone who cares about what they're saying and you understand what they're saying and they'll remember that. And that helps, you know, that brand recognition helps down the road, whether you realize it or not. There's uh, a couple good can points. Can I chime in real quick? Yeah, go Sorry. ahead. Sure. Uh, so for, I had heard a little bit of Brian's story, but not all of this, and this is great, and this fits exactly kind of my model for when I'm working with students. I, there's there's a um, there's something called happenstance theory, right, in career development. And two big pieces of those are curiosity, and then the second piece is risk-taking, right? And so, and I love, you know, the fact that he was like, this sounds interesting, I want to, I, but then he did the second piece. It wasn't just, this sounds interesting. It was, I'm going to talk to somebody. I'm going to create value. I'm going to take that next step. Right. So I, I, I didn't know the entire story, but now that I do, he's even more of a, a better example of that. Like I'm going to bump into something. It sounds interesting. And then I'm going to move forward. Ohio state is, you know, a gigantic place full of giant, you know, people doing amazing things. And I think a lot of times students will bump into something and then it'll be like, well, that's not in my major. That's not here. Someone's doing research into something that, that I don't know enough about. And I think it's, you know, taking that next step that Brian did the perfect example of like, yes, this sounds cool. I'm going to learn more about it. And then I'm going to move forward and, and see cool. if I can see it, you know, maybe it doesn't fit. Maybe you're like, oh, th- I'm going to check it out. And then you're like, this is or not maybe it actually does, a and match you connect at all. The dots and you create an opportunity. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So like so. that curiosity is such an important point you made there. And that curiosity learn, uh, leading into being a good listener, learning uh, w- more about what their situation is, because you can't enter in the networking process solely thinking about, I just want to get a job, right? It's got to be more deeply engaging than that. You've got to really try to listen and learn, understand their challenges and add value back. And that's what I love about that story we just you mentioned, because there was multiple touch points in that story that demonstrated exactly that. So, um, you know, when I talk about students on their job search, a majority of them solely mention applying to jobs online. What advice would you give to these students? Because that's a very reactive type way to approach your job search. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I tend to talk about four or five ways to apply for jobs in, in two different areas, right? And so, and applying for jobs online is fine, right? So it's easy. They can find jobs pretty easily that way, right? So, um, but um, what tends to happen is that I will have students who just, they apply to jobs online and all they're doing is sending the same resume out a hundred times, right? And so what we really want to do is have them thinking much more, um, qualitative over quantitative, right? And so if they bumped into a job, so like Brian's a great example. He was like, oh, NVIDIA sounds cool. Um, this is They're doing work that I want to do. They're solving problems that I want to solve. And so instead of just floating the exact same resume um, again and again and again and being like, why am I hitting a wall? What I would tell students to do is how do we take that job or that place? And we know that they're going to, they're looking to hire you for essentially three things. Do you have the skills to be able to do the work or in a Essentially, for a student just starting out, it's often, do I have the aptitude or do I show the base level to build skills to get there, right? Um, do I have the skills? Am I passionate? Am I, do I want to solve these problems? Am I passionate about doing this job? And then fit, you know, am I going to fit the company's mission? Am I going to fit like with that, right? So the, 
instead of just sending the same resume again and again, what I tell students to do is literally make a spreadsheet. Column A is going to be all that stuff for that job. And then column B is going to be, how do I check off those boxes? How do I prove I can do it? And a lot of times what happens with students is they, they say, well, I'm working full time at Jimmy John's. But I've been, you know, doing, I want to do social media. I've been doing social media for my sorority. And that's like the last bullet on the entire resume, right? What we really want to do is high, think about what on that resume, what's going to stand out the most for that particular job. And we want to shift things and, and really focus on that qualitative search over the quantitative search. And then the other big thing is, you know, Brian's the perfect example is networking. That's a huge gap I see, um, whether it's going to a job fair or proactively using LinkedIn or your your network and actually saying like, I think I want to be, um, you know, I want to go work for Cisco or NVIDIA, right? And saying, okay, you can literally go into LinkedIn and search Ohio State graduates at, excuse me, at NVIDIA and just start pulling people up and reaching out. LinkedIn is created so that you can reach out. It's not, you know, you're not, um, dropping into someone's DMs like you would be on Instagram or, you know, whatever, right? And so you are, you know, you are connecting to them um, on the site that was created for you to reach out and connect to them, right? And so um, those, that's the big gap that I see is I see a lot of students who just float the same resume again and again. And um, I see a lot of students who just won't leverage yeah. LinkedIn or won't leverage doing informational interviews, right? And things like that, that, um, that can really make you stand out. For many, sorry, go ahead, Brian. I just said those are really, really good points. The LinkedIn aspect of networking and applying for jobs is really, really uh, a huge factor. If you don't have a presence on LinkedIn and you're not able to create a a place where you can display your brand, your professional brand that you want to bring into the workforce, uh, you're not going to be successful. Uh, because every job hiring manager, when they see a resume that HR finally filters to them, first thing they're going to do is see, is this person on LinkedIn? What's on there? Um, so there's a couple of points you that are really, really important. And there's one that you kind of touched on that I want to expand on, if, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, you talked about, you know, not creating one version of your resume and uh, just in that same one over and over. When we think about marketing, we think about an audience-first approach. Who's receiving this message? Who am I communicating to? And what is the challenge that they're trying to solve? And I craft my marketing message around that account. Uh, not necessarily a broad you know, approach for every person in the market. We are now leaning into what we call account-based marketing, where we're looking specifically, what's the challenge of that account? And how do I tell my story that resonates with the challenges that they're facing? So looking specifically at a job rec, the job description, looking for keywords that that, hire, that hiring company is looking for and crafting a resume that you use to apply just for that job will help getting you through the filters from the recruiting department in HR. Because as a hiring manager myself, like I just made an offer on a, a position and I had 300 resumes from that HR brought in said 300 people applied to this job. You know, when I start filtering out, I'm like, show me all the ones that have these keywords in it and they'll go in and they'll, they'll take marketing and they'll take operations and they'll whatever the keywords I told them. And that 300 now comes down to like 50. And then I said, okay, filter again on this. So what I'm trying to get at is in that process, if you're not, hitting the keywords that that 
that company is looking for, that hiring manager is looking for, you you don't make through the filter. Yeah. So you have to start looking at other other techniques to make connections, you know. So we talked about two different methods there, about like the proper way to go about applying for a job, but also networking. How would you recommend, these are two different levers, you know, one's proactive, one's a little more reactive. Which, how would you recommend students are about to enter in the workforce? Like how much time should they dedicate to these two different paths, these two different te- techniques? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, usually I, there isn't a set time or set, set amount of time for either one. Um, what I find is that I will have students who come in and they're further out of their search. And then I talk about like, you know, maybe we're not sending resumes quite yet, right? Maybe what we're doing is we're planting seeds. We're trying to build relationships with people at companies. So then when you do send the resume, you're not just a faceless piece of paper, not a piece of paper anymore, but faceless document coming in. You can now, now they get it and they say, oh, I I met with Ryan last week, or I met with Ryan two months ago, right? And so um, what I try to get them to do is really just plan um, plan out their search in, into digestible steps and say like, you know, because oftentimes they're, I'll, I'll say, these are the five things to do. And then I can tell they're just feeling overwhelmed. So it's much more about like, okay, next week I'm going to go, I'm going to send out three resumes, maybe five resumes, and I'm going to reach out to two people on LinkedIn and I will make sure I check that off. It's much more about, um, I saw one time there was, there was this piece on Reddit that, that was talking about just like getting through a problem. And I wish I had the, the author, um, but they just talked about having no zero days. And to me, that's kind of what a search needs to be. It needs to be just work that kind of compounds on itself. It, maybe I'll do five minutes a day. Maybe the next day I plan to do five minutes, but I've, I jumped into LinkedIn and I'm on it for an hour and a half, right? Um, just as long as you're doing something small and and really think about kind of those long-term planning and digestible pieces, I don't think there's a set amount that has to go into anything. It's, you know, as soon as you get a bite or, you know, that, that you've made a connection, you know, then you can dive in and, and start exploring it a little bit more, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Brian, I'd like to get to maybe the next chapter in your story, because I think it's going to uh, help illustrate the next point that I'd like this to get to. So, and I, I apologize, I think I said uh, NVIDIA before. Uh, it's NVIDIA, right? NVIDIA, yeah. Yeah, so N- NVIDIA sounds more like a hand cream. Uh, but, so, NVIDIA, so, uh, I apologize for that. So, how did you make the move from Cisco to NVIDIA? I suspect networking was a big piece of that. That is correct. So while I was at Cisco, um, I started to get interested in, uh, I was making a lot of these little home movies with my kids using like toy lightsabers and I wanted to put special effects into them. So we'd like do our own spoof on Star Wars or Iron Man or things like that. And as I was trying to get my computer- I'm starting to feel inferior as a dad now. (laughs) That sounds pretty cool. As I was trying to like add like, glow to the lightsaber on the film and things like that in my computer, I realized I didn't have the computing power I needed. So I started researching, like, what do I need for that? And I discovered I needed NVIDIA to do the types of things that I wanted to do uh, because the computing model NVIDIA uses is, is much different. And as I started to learn more and more about this company, I started to see, like, the future of, like, what was possible with this. This was, you know, back in... 2013, I think, 2014, I started uh, researching this. So for a couple of years, I just kept following NVIDIA and I was listening to their CEO, Jensen, speak and I was seeing the vision like this company is going to change the world with what it can do. It's super exciting. So 
I started paying attention to my friends on LinkedIn who had gone there. Like I started looking up on LinkedIn is exactly what you said. Like look on LinkedIn, who has an Ohio state alumni at this company and start reaching out to them. So I, I started looking for people that I, I might know at NVIDIA and I just started asking them, Hey, you know, what's it like over there? How do you like that company? Um, and the more I started doing that, the more connections I made. And then I leaned into a more very proactive kind of networking type of meeting where I would ask people like, you know, hey, would you be willing to just have an informational meeting with me? I'm super curious about this company. I'm really passionate about where it's going, but I want to understand how you guys handle these challenges in marketing. Like, how did, well, what does it look like there? How do you handle this challenge or this challenge? And I was really just creating, creating a reason for an interaction to talk to somebody there real time live. And I did that for a while. And I started telling more of my, my coworkers at Cisco about it. And it just so happened that by 2016, uh, NVIDIA was going through this huge expansion into the enterprise. Whereas, you know, I mentioned earlier that their origins were in the consumer market and gaming. But as the high performance computing model uh, started to um, become more relevant, to research and uh, technology and industry and things like that, the enterprise side of NVIDIA was starting to explode. So there was an opportunity there uh, because they needed to grow an enterprise marketing organization. And the person that they hired for uh, to run enterprise marketing uh, at NVIDIA was also a contact of mine from Cisco. And we spoke about it before they went over there and they went over there and brought me there with them like a week, a month later. Uh, and it has been the best ride ever. I love that company. It is so much fun to work there. Very cool. So uh, I want, let's talk a little bit about once you get these networking meetings, uh, you know, you've, you've been successful in creating your network, you land a network meeting. How should you uh, structure and conduct that network meeting? So you, you want to be very intentional with it. You want to be respectful of that person's time yeah. be because they're being generous and letting, uh, allowing you to speak to them for 20 or 30 minutes. How do you make the best use of that time and how do you structure that meeting? Well, I, you know, you want to be really uh, honest up front with them about your interest. I, I'm asking you to sit down and talk with me because I'm really curious about your company. Uh, I find, you know, these aspects of it really interesting. And I, I'm curious about how you handle these particular challenges uh, because, you know, I, I think that company is exciting. I'd like to learn how they do things. Um, just lay that out on the table. And if they're, you know, willing to lean into that conversation, be curious and bring a lot of questions. Like bring specific questions around uh, related to the person you're networking and what their role is, um, think about it in advance. Like, okay, this person has that type of role. What types of challenges might that type of role have to deal with? And if you don't know, do some research in Google. Like, what are the biggest challenges on this type of, of job? And start asking them how they handle that stuff. And as they answer questions, be curious, ask follow-up questions, look into it. Um, your interest and in your authenticity always comes through. If you don't have authenticity and your curiosity and your interest, they'll kind of figure that out right away and, and they'll start to back off and shut down that networking interaction. Yeah, that that's perfect. That, that 
resonates exactly with kind of what we say. Um, we have like lists of questions, right, for them to ask, uh, for students to ask, right, when they're doing informational interviews and making connections. And, and there's three main areas, right? And one is, um, you know, would I like to do this work, right? And so just asking questions about their average day and things like that. What's cool about that is you can kind of twist it and say, when you're shaping a question, think about, you know, can I add in some of the skills I had, some of the experiences I've had to shape that question and say like, you know, when I was, when, when I was working on this project, I did X, do you guys do it that way? Then they will have information yeah. that, will, that would help them if they were actually interviewing you. Right. And That's so, a really, really good point. Yeah. yeah. And then the second types of questions are, um, just the things like, you know, how would I get this job? Right. And so the yeah. students, a lot of times want to say like, do you have an internship or do you have a job? Right. And so, and we're, and you know, up, then you automatically put the person on defensive. Yeah, right? absolutely. It's like right. they shut down. And, and the relationship changes, right? So it goes from, you want this person to be more of like a mentor, advisor, that kind of thing. But if you say, can you give me something? Then it's transactional, right? Mm. You don't want it to be transactional. So you want it to feel like, you know, I'm here for advice. You can say, do you have, you know, what advice do you have for someone like me looking for an internship? You're going to get the exact same answer if you said, you know, do you have internships available? Right. And so, um, and so, and then the last questions, um, that we always suggest is like, how do you build your network? Right. So you just met with somebody, they were great. Can you, you know, can you expand that and just say, you know, thank you so much for your time. This has been fantastic. I would love to learn as much as I can. Do you have another contact in the field or at, you know, at this company that, you know, that, you would suggest I reach out to, then you're building your world of knowledge in that field, but also in that company. And, and, and you're That's also, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. And you're going to somebody who you know is cool, right? So that, that person you just met with, isn't going to be like, this guy's a jerk over here. Right. I'm going to lead you to this jerk. They're not, it's just not going to happen. They're going to say, avoid this person. And yeah. you know, we're going to send you to somebody who I think would match up with your personality. So and hopefully there's a couple of those, right? Yeah. So then you can, well, then <laughs> yeah, you start absolutely. building your network exponentially. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of one of the goals of coming out of that meeting is like, try to get two more contacts to meet with next. Yeah. 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 Very good. So how should one follow up after a networking meeting? Yeah. So I always, um, I always use the example of like, you know, think about it like you're a farmer, right? And so you're just planting a seed. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. I'll meet with a freshman, you know, sophomore who's like, you know, I want this job when I'm a senior or I want to work at this company. And maybe they're not, that company's not hiring interns yet, right? But you can go meet with somebody and just start talking with them. You want to send a thank you email. You can, you know, typically, you know, after a job fair or an interview anymore, we're sending thank you emails instead of letters because letters take so long now. In this case, you could probably send a letter because you know you've got this long, long plan. But an email is fine, and they they can reference it very quickly, right? Um, but you want to send a thank you email, and then you want to you know a couple months later send them another question and thank them again for their time, and you know connect with them on LinkedIn, just like uh, Brian had said, right? Um, connect with them on LinkedIn so that you know if if they switch jobs or the, or something happens in their uh, you know world that you can be like, hey, congratulations, or thanks again for meeting with me, or you know so that you're just not um, you just don't disappear. The goal is to essentially kind of become the person that they're thinking about when an internship opens or when a job opens or, you know, when they, when there's a problem in their company and they're like, you know who I think could solve this? 
Brian could solve. You know, Brian had sent this information. I already know, why would I search everywhere when I've already met Brian and I know Brian can solve this issue, right? So, or Brian can, you know, is very interested in that issue. So, so becoming somebody who, who they're already thinking about when jobs are, uh, before jobs are even posted, that, that's a, a big way to do it. And, and how to do that is just to try to maintain that relationship. Yeah, the important part in that, what you just mentioned was like kind of keeping that dialogue going. Uh, like maybe you could find, it was, you just stumble upon an article related to the industry or related to the company that you found very interesting and you added insight to that and say, hey, I'm sure you saw this article too, but I just thought this was really interesting and touched upon what we talked about. You know, that sort of ongoing dialogue. So they know you're continually engaged, right? So I think that's, that's an important piece of it too. That's a uh, perfect example. Perfect example. Yeah. So, um, okay, here's a big softball question now. Is anybody ever done networking? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so ever. Just because you know, you will. Uh, Brian was again the perfect example. He, you know, he didn't know he was interested in you know these graphics or making these things with his kids, and then he started doing it, and then he's had a problem, right? And so we're we're we have endless interests, we have endless things that we're going to bump into. We don't necessarily you know know exactly what that's going to be. So then you can't be done with networking because those that curiosity. You're not done with that curiosity. So yeah. Would you, Brian, would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a journey. Um, you know, you, when you think about your career path and where you want to go, it's not it's never mapped out exactly. It's not a straight point from A to B, and uh, the path kind of illuminates itself for you as you lean into that direction. And if you stop networking the next stepping stones start to get fewer and fewer. The, the more you network throughout your career, the more stepping stones illuminate for the next growth opportunity for you. That's a really good point. I mean, another kind of, I don't want to say secondary or byproduct in networking, but like a benefit of it is it does illuminate th- uh, uh, paths and opportunities that you never might have ever considered or even known about. Uh, right. And then you learn about that and say, well, wait a minute, that could be really cool. I should learn more about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, very good point. You know, um, I, I don't want to uh, talk too much about this, but Brian, you mentioned earlier about like the importance of starting in sales. Uh, and I'm just going to use this as an opportunity as something I always kind of try to uh, reinforce with my students that no matter what field you get into, there's always an element of sales. You're either selling your ideas, uh, you're selling your project cross-functionally, you're selling your own personal brand in an interview. So sometimes sales gets a bad rap, but no matter what discipline you're in, there's some sort of element of sales. And and being able to be a good communicator and be able to find out what people's touch points, what their needs are, and be able to position either it's your project, your product, or yourself accordingly is going is an important skill. I agree 100%. Uh, you know, I, I would not have had the courage to be as kind of proactive in my networking if I hadn't been trained in sales as, as a starting point in my career. That whole, you know, being able to go and engage somebody and ask curious questions and figure out what their world looks like and what challenges they face, something sales guys, sales people do all the time. And uh, the more you do that, the more comfortable you are asking those questions and being proactively curious uh, that, you know, there's a, a bit of shyness that kind of evaporates when you do it over and over and over. So Absolutely. You get 
comfortable doing that kind of thing, it just helps you understand that whole cycle from, you know, situation to uncovering challenges or problems to discovering solutions to delivering or offering uh, a, a payoff to that solution. You know, all that stuff, uh, you know, really kind of uh, helps prepare you for the networking part of your career journey. Yeah, that practice piece and experience piece is important because when I was in my 20s, I never envisioned myself being able to be good at that. And by the time I was in my 30s, I was really good at it. I'd like to thank my guest today, Brian Piccioni, Fisher alum and Senior Director of Marketing Operations at NVIDIA, and Ryan Wilhelm, Senior Career Advisor at the Fisher College of Business at The Ohio State University. Thank you both so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Please check the webpage for additional related links and the resources on this topic. Career EQ is brought to you by the Fisher College of Business at The Ohio State University. We'd like to thank our production crew, including our producer, Doug Carraway, for making this possible, and the Office of Career Management, dedicated to supporting our business school students in the launch of their careers. See you next time at Career EQ.